Welcome back, everybody. Tara is back with me again to talk about the Studio Job episode of Leverage, which aired on July 18th, 2010. It was directed by friend of the show, Jonathan Frakes, and it was written by M. Scott Veach. I don't know what the M stands for, but it's very mysterious just being an M. Scott Veach, who I was looking at his IMDb page and he is working on the Shadow and Bone series in the Grishaverse, the um, oh, Lee Bardugo series. Right. Yeah. And also, according to to IMDb, he is a Capricorn. Huh. IMDb uh, is full of fascinating information. It was just, it's just really like, he is a Capricorn. <laughs> okay, sure. So in this episode, Elliot's talent for being good at everything becomes a problem when he poses as a country singer to take down a corrupt recording studio executive. And that corrupt recording studio exec is played by guest star John Schneider from Dukes of Hazard. And also who has gone on to play like quite a lot of, you know, morally ambiguous at the very least people. It's yeah. But he is so attractive. I mean, he is. It was harder to see in this episode. Yes. He was he was being everything I hate about country music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in one distilled packet. It's one yeah. And like at the very beginning, we start with uh this. This house, which I felt was very, a very realistic little house, you know, kind of out in the woods, like not really nice, but not falling apart. And uh, we find out they're brother and sister, but the Alona, what's her name? Her name is Alona Tal. Alona Tal. I was in Veronica Mars. I know. <laughs> she will always, always be that character in Veronica Mars to me. And do you know that she, uh, she auditioned for the role of Veronica? I, I do know that because yeah. I am a huge marshmallow. Oh my gosh, me too. I didn't did I know this? I don't know if Oh, that's wonderful. Are you so to talk about that, but yeah. But yeah, so so I recognized her immediately even when this episode first aired and um and it meant that I knew she was Israeli, so I forgive her um not very believable southern <laughs> accent. Her accent. <laughs> yes. Um yes. <laughs> that accent her singing voice is great though because she's her an actual voice singer is gorgeous yeah. yeah so i can and she's beautiful and her hair is awesome and she's yeah but she th- their beautiful song is interrupted by some thugs breaking into the house and imme- immediately punching her brother and john schneider's character is there and he threatens them and says i heard you were on the phone with lawyers and then they beat the crap out of her brother and he smashes his hands he just like stomps them which you know if you play the guitar for a living that is a death warrant on your career possibly which just is a nightmare it's just so horrible and he like hits her too i think he like throws her down on the couch no he doesn't hit her but he he like pushes her onto the couch and she like hides when he's breaking her brother's hand. Huh. It's so bad. Like, it's a very menacing, because they're clearly intending to cause permanent damage. Like, it's not, it, you know, it it is couched as a warning, but it's not a warning. <laughs> no, 
it's yeah you're done so she ends up in boston I just sort of assume at this point that there is an internet forum where people <laughs> are like, what do I do if I've tried everything else? And they're like, oh, can you get to Boston? Yeah. <laughs> is there a train from Memphis to Boston? But regardless of how she found out about it, she ends up at McCrory's pub and she's she and Elliot immediately have like a little bit of a frisson to them uh she's you know spills her her cream trying to put it in her coffee and you know he helps clean it up and they're making eyes at each other so she's explaining to nate that mitchell kirkwood who's the studio exec you know signs them and had them writing songs for other artists but when they when they tried to go their own way like he owns the rights to all of their music so they can't sing their own stuff and they they wanted to leave and go record well, some also, I mean, it was sort of, in my opinion, it was a little bit muddled because I've definitely heard about bad recording contracts where you owe them for every, you know, bottle of water or whatever. But that's usually like when you're the artist that they're sending on tour because that's where all the things really rack up. And I know Miranda Lambert, um, when she had first signed her contract, had talked about that at one point that she went out for interviews, you know, with various newspaper folks. And then, you know, was like, am I in, like, am I paying for the food? Is this showing up like, on my tab or is, you know, like who, yeah. who's in charge of this? And they're like, you're fine. Like you're not paying for the reporter's food. It's okay. <laughs> she, it, so I think that is out there. It was a little less believable that if they were just, giving over writing credits that they'd be charged for the water they drank while they wrote the song. Yeah. Uh, although I guess if he gave them an office space then, you know, mm -hmm. but basically they had apparently signed a really crappy contract <laughs> that meant they owned nothing. And so while theoretically the money should be rolling in from the royalties from the songs that were out there making money, he had paid them zero and appeared to be planning to continue to pay them zero and then had offered to let them record their own album at his studio and then when they did he stole the master yeah and then he said that he would let them perform in a, an upcoming oh, right, at saddles uh, yeah, yeah like a festival but now he's not well i think at this point he's still le letting them but i think she at this point doesn't trust that everything's going to go okay or well and also i think the problem is that with her brother in the hospital she can't perform yeah or doesn't feel like she can perform since obviously she could just go sing the songs mm -hmm. and i'm guessing her brother was the one who went to the lawyer because i can't remember if she if that's explicitly stated because she says we didn't go to a lawyer yeah i don't feel like they ever really close the loop on that yeah i don't think so so they are investigating mitchell kirkwood a little more and he was a one-hit wonder back in the i guess the late 90s early aughts and he has a horrible music video well it is you know it it looks like uh, a couple videos that yeah. came out around that time where yeah. there's like a flag and a field and a truck <laughs> and you're like some, oh, yeah. some fringe on a jacket and yeah there's a million dollars right there it's just printing money 
Uh, nobody is super impressed by his singing uh, or this song. And we find out that the critics and the fans weren't either, but he did make some money and he took all that money and funneled it into his own label and becoming this executive in Memphis, which when I was reading some of the show notes, a lot of people had issues with the fact that this was set in Memphis and people thought, well, if you're going to do a music episode, a country music episode, it should be set in Nashville, which is more about country, whereas Memphis is more blues. But kind of the point is that, well, one, there are studios everywhere in the South and actually the second most common place to record country music is in LA. But having him centered in Memphis means that he can corner the market since it is a smaller country market. Well, and I think that's why he's the big guy. Right. And it doesn't bother me either because if he, they had been in Nashville, she and her brother would have been able to find out that they had signed a crappy deal and they would have been able to make other choices and they would have been able to hop to another studio and they might've had to start from scratch, you know, and they might've had to ditch, lose all the songs. Like they would have had choices. Whereas in Memphis, it was believable to me that he was literally their only choice. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, for all the naysayers out there, that's why. And it makes total (laughs) sense if you think about it critically in this way. Uh, we also find out he's done this before to other to other artists. So this is just him. His mo is to kind of you know exploit people. So they're gonna they're gonna pull uh, the fiddle job, which is excellent because Parker has no idea for most of the episode what this means. She's like, I don't understand. What's a fiddle job? Who's the fiddle? And Elliot is the fiddle because, as we well know, Elliot Spencer is good at everything. And in order to get to the master tapes where, which are hidden, you know, in a vault somewhere in the studio offices, we're going to have to get a singer into the studio so that we can also break in and Elliot can sing. So a little, at least he says, Uh, and that's going to get us in. Well, and I also wondered um, if Parker's because Parker starts with saying, I can't play the fiddle. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I wondered if that was almost supposed to be a reference to the Scheherazade job. Cause she was like, Oh, it must be my turn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to play a fiddle, but I'm not ready. Are you going to hypnotize me? <laughs> if you'd just given me two weeks notice, I would have been able to do this. <laughs> all right. And they're like, Nope, Nope. You don't have to worry. We've got this all sorted out. You're good. Yeah. There's a couple kind of references, I think to the Scheherazade job because Later, Elliot's experience some in, experiencing some stage fright, and Parker shows up and tries to like support him, and it goes horribly, just like in the Shahrazad job. <laughs> yes. But before Elliot can go on stage, uh, we are at the saloon where he will be performing, and Mitchell Kirkwood shows up and is very annoyed that his table is taken by someone else, which is you know Sophie. So he has to go sit at the bar and Nate is sitting there. And this has been a while. I think it's been at least a season and a half since we've seen Nate in a hat. Cause that used to be his kind of go-to like when Nate's doing a con, he wears a weird hat (laughs) and he's, he's got a cowboy hat on. So he offers to buy Kirkwood a drink and then tells him that, Oh, this guy I've, I'm the manager of there's this, 
record executive who's going to off is offering us $25,000 for this song. And do you think that's right? Do you think that's on the up and up? And he indicates that Sophie is the record exec. Meanwhile, Parker is getting amped up on the dance floor <laughs> and Hardison. And is she's wearing, I mean, she's in full outfit. She's got the skirt, the, that the cowboy boots. is so cute. <laughs> it is very cute. The little denim vest. I mean, yeah. she blends right into this bar. She does. And she's got like her bangs and like her little, does she have the, I think she's got the braid. No, her hair's down. Um, I guess it's like half up. But no, she like cracks her neck. <laughs> she's got a little denim shirt and a little plaid dress. So Hardison breaks into the sound booth so that he can control what the audience is hearing when Elliot starts to sing. And he needs a way to legitimize his reason for being there. So he goes through the iTunes, rest in peace, iTunes uh, playlist of the guy who's working the sound booth and finds out that he plays a lot of Brooks and listens to a lot of Brooks and Dunn. So he tells Parker that he needs Brooks and Dunn tickets. So she does this great move and it's, she's just twirling around in this bar, picking everybody's pockets as she goes, just like spinning back and forth, back and forth, which when they filmed it, it's Beth Reesgraf on the top, but it's an actual ballerina dancer who is the, you know, waist down those shots, yeah. which is weird to me. I'm like, I feel like if Beth Reese, she's doing it. Like, I don't understand why her legs didn't look as good, <laughs> but but I was like, wow, that whoever's legs those are have like killer calf definition. Just amazing. So she does manage to get the Brooks and Dunn tickets. And <laughs> the guy who's working the sound booth is like, oh, yeah, um, I'll take those off your hands if you have to work. That's cool. And Elliot's wearing the best outfit because <laughs> he loves to really sell a con. And by sell, I mean, really go overboard. So he's wearing like, well, especially, I mean, this is, you know, Elliot does love his Southern country type stuff. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I meant Hardison. Hardison's outfit. Oh, well, Hardison's outfit. Yes. Hardison, no, Hardison loves Hardison to sell. Fringe, doesn't he? Yeah. Hardison doesn't have fringe. I don't think he does oh, have okay. like a suede vest, okay, a mustard know. yellow shirt and a bolero little tie. Yes. He also, because um, I felt that, um, well, now I've, uh, Kaylin, the singer, uh, mm -hmm. spoke in a lot of um, country esque aphorisms when we first met her. Yeah. <laughs> but Hardison takes it to a whole nother level. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Everything he says, he's just like, well, that is just spick and span. And you're like, what? That is not how okay sure he thinks he thinks like a southern accent is also like cockney <laughs> it's like it's apples and pears like yeah no though caitlin does say the devil may have gone down to georgia mr ford but he lives in memphis yeah <laughs> which is hilarious to me yeah, it, it was a lot. <laughs> it, was, it was a lot. Um, I did want to say John Schneider is wearing his own clothes in this show. Oh, really? Yes. So he, he like, so apparently he lived with Johnny Cash for several years. Huh. Like you do. 
and was gifted Johnny Cash's some of Johnny Cash's clothes at his death. So the duster, like the black duster that he wears throughout the episode is Johnny Cash's coat. Oh, wow. Which is just bizarre to me. Well, and that also, I mean, not to skip ahead too far, but there is a a Johnny and June reference later. Yes, there is. Ah, wonder if that was added as a reference. Probably not. I mean, that seems pretty spot on for the episode. It was sort of spot on, except that I was like, I don't, I don't know if that's the most relevant choice, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, oh, so now we're at the part. Uh, Elliot's experiencing a little bit of stage fright and Parker's trying to soothe, calm his nerves. It's not going great. So Hardison hops in and he's like, it's okay if, if it's not going well. I have I have this machine and it's going to fix your voice and it's going to be great. And it's going to do it live so you can be like have a really deep Darth Vader voice, which Elliot really likes. And he's like, that's good. Or you could be Papa Smurf, which Elliot does not like. Parker is very amused by. And (laughs) sorry, he's like, right, don't do that. So yeah, so he can fix his voice in case it doesn't sound right. Uh, But we don't have to worry about that because Elliot's voice is very, very nice. Yeah, I wondered, um, I mean, I know later Elliot takes his earpiece out but it seemed like for this they thought the live auto-tuning was working from the earpiece and it seemed like it would be incredibly distracting to Elliot to try and sing while all of them are chattering over the earpieces oh that's true um he like fights people and stuff while they're all chattering over the earpieces oh see I just figure like he's very good at like single focus when he's fighting and I yeah more for his ability to focus while he was singing but yeah and I don't and maybe Hardison has a way to turn it off so the rest of them can hear it here but I mm-hmm. I've found in several scenes and several episodes that some characters will be talking to each other and like other characters won't will like it's like they're just selectively listening to anything and it's I mean it's just for the magic of the show so that it's not yeah, and I do understand that yeah it is the magic of the show and they you know it's more interesting than watching them text each other <laughs> true, true. <laughs> they'll just like meet up every two minutes yeah so before Elliot can go on stage though Kirkwood has told Nate's character hey I'm, I'll go take care of this like let me go talk to this lady and see what's going on so he goes over to his booth and starts schmoozing with uh, with with Sophie, who gets to use her British accent again. She doesn't have to put on anything else. Um, and she's got this, like, really, like, I don't know, like, <laughs> I can't even describe her look, but she has these horrible sunglasses on. And she's got these, like, colored extensions in her hair, which is very straightened and kind of, like, I don't know, like, neo-punk. Yeah, I, I felt like they were trying to sort of make her look like, you know, sort of edgy Euro pop, but yeah, yeah, Euro pop. I like that. Like, kind of Except that supposed to be an executive. So. <laughs> executive yeah, don't and I but I don't know. I mean, I guess Kirkwood is wandering around in a fringed jacket. So you it's know, true. it's true. <laughs> um, 
And it does work in that she is so jarringly different than everything yeah, else. She, she totally stands out in the crowd of this country bar. Yeah. And when, like, the minute he walks in, he zeroes in on her. Like, it's like the first, I mean, it's his booth, but it's also like he's, she's like, something is wrong, like, dinging his radar. And he uh, he offers to give her a tour of the whole bar and she leaves her stuff there. So while, he, you know, they walk off, one of his lackeys comes in and like digs through her stuff and, uh, you know, verifies by calling her somebody on her phone that she actually does work for this, you know, studio, which is really just Nate answering the phone <laughs> at the bar. Well, and Nate answers it and it's, I assume since it's supposed to be a studio in England that it's supposed to be Worcester Studios. <laughs> but Nate says Worcester and pronounces <gasps> it the, the Massachusetts way. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're so right. Oh, I didn't even catch that. That's great. Also, what time would it be in London? I have no idea. Like, I mean, part of it is I was totally willing to believe that the lackey was obviously doing the bare minimum of research and that was going to be enough for him. But yeah, I was. Yeah, he's not going to go, Worcester, what? <laughs> that doesn't sound right. <laughs> but yeah, no, if this is like, what, England's like eight hours ahead of us? Yeah, I mean, if it's nighttime in Memphis, it it is probably the middle of the night in London. Oh my gosh, that's great. Or in England somewhere. I love it. I love it so much. Yeah, and then he opens up the, the laptop and he sees like just like a homepage of, of a website with a wrapper on it. And he's like, okay, she's legit. It is the bare minimum. Because if you're a lackey and a thug, it's not because you're real smart. Right. It's not for your research. These people have not been hired for their research skills. <laughs> no, no. Well, and it was also like I sat there and thought about like if I was sitting in someone's like bar slash restaurant in Memphis and they were like, let me give you the tour. And I'd be like, of what? I don't need. What else would I need to see? <laughs> like, it's a bar. <laughs> right? like, and he appears to lead her off to the kitchens. And obviously, like she's doing it because she knows that he's going to try and search her stuff. Like, that's the yeah. whole point. But it is sort of like in a real situation with a real person. Like, why would I agree to let you wander me through <laughs> What is basically just the kitchen of a Hooters? Like, I mean, okay, thanks. I've seen kitchens. (laughs) This is really exciting. He does take her up into like the balcony area, which I guess is well. That's true. They she does end up in the balcony area, and that. But but what else is there to see? It it's a music (laughs) venue, but it's not. I don't know. There's a really huge uh, honky tonk in Fort Worth where I went to school called Billy Bob's. And it has, like, all these different crazy rooms. Like, there is legit, like, a room where they have, like, a rodeo in there sometimes. So, like, there's bleachers and, like, the sawdust floor. And, you know, then there's, like, the pool room. So there's, like, lots of different places you can go. But this does not appear to be something like that. Yeah, I mean, this appears to be, like, sort of one of those, you know things that's trying to be like a restaurant, a bar and a concert space all at once. So it's fairly, I mean, the bar is kind of in the middle, but it's fairly open concept so that most people, wherever they're sitting can sort of 
see the stage. So yeah, it isn't like you're like, oh, I've never been able to get to the back room. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. No, it's yeah, it's definitely just like the worst attempt to go through her stuff. And it wouldn't have worked if she hadn't been in on it. <laughs> right. Uh meanwhile, um Kaylin is giving Elliot some hands-on guitar lessons because he's not really feeling the song he's thinking too much he needs to feel with his heart and not think with his brain um which is definitely what he's thinking of with when she's like between him and the guitar definitely uh but they do have a little heart to heart where she asks she asks him if he's ever been in love and then uh he brings up you know yes once uh, and I, I told her I'd always be there for her, but I also made that promise to the United States, you know, of America. And you can't keep that promise twice. So, yeah. Poor Elliot. Uh, and it, this kind of just like lays the the foundation for kind of their relationship later in the episode. He's He's started walking down a road and can't really turn back at this point. Um, but yeah, so they have like a little steamy little scene here and she does like some very, maybe it's cause my hair is short now, but she just does like very obvious, like moves with her hair. Like she goes to stand in between him and the guitar. She like moves it out of the way so that he can be right up against her face. And then when she gets back out, she like fluffs it back around her shoulders. <laughs> like, okay, you know, your angles. I, I get it. I get it. Um, does the age difference bother you between the two of them? Um, not hugely, um, because I, um, but it is sort of one of those things that I thought about if you sort of put her next, like, you know, next to, um, I've already forgotten her name, but from the two horse job that, you know, like while we've established Elliot has a type, his type does seem to be getting younger. Yeah. <laughs> Which happens with guys sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I think when I first watched it, it kind of like, I was like, oh, she's really young, but I was like looking it up. She's a year older than I am, which would make her like mid twenties here. And I mean, yeah, he is like 10 years older than her, but that's not, too big it's of- not terrible. It's just one of those because she had been playing a teenager before, it seems. Yeah. Or, but then I think after this, she went on Bernadette and played like a spy. So, yeah. Oh. This is when I stopped watching Bernadette. And she's on uh, Supernatural as well. So, yeah. Um, so Kirkwood and Sophie are up talking in the balcony and it's great. The lighting there is really cool. Cause it's, she's got like a blue extension in her hair, but also the way the lighting is hitting, she looks like she's just got like other rainbow stripes, but it's just like, she's backlit and just, her hair is super black. It's really cool looking. Just good lighting job leverage team. Uh, but so she ends up confessing that the reason they're offering this, this singer so much money is that his single was lying around in the studios in London and this rapper that she works with picked it up and sampled it. And so he's about to become a star. And instead of paying him tons of money with the royalties over and over again, they're just going to buy the rights to the song from him 
for a good chunk of change and then they'll be able to use it however they want, which is a little underhanded. But um, so that's the reason that they're going to offer him all this money, which, of course, Kirkwood's like, oh, I'm going to I'm going to get in and fix this. And Elliot finally starts to sing and it's really good. And <laughs> Hardison's concerned because his, you know, his uh, system does not seem to be working and he's freaking out and. Nate's like, oh no, it's it's a, yeah, it's everything's okay. Um, and Christian Kane actually co-wrote this song. Yeah. And it's it's on his album, which is called Welcome to My House or something. Something, which I re-listened to yesterday, and is a pretty solid country album. The first song I don't like very much, but the rest of them are okay. The last song I didn't like either, but he does. A, he has a cover of "Fast Car" by Tracy oh, wow. Chapman on there, and I was like, "Wait!" And it's really good. His voice works really well. No, I can see how that would work. Yeah, yeah. I, but also, like a really interesting choice of a song to cover. Um, but yeah, this is on there, and Kaylin is like just very getting really into it because she can hear it from the green room, and the crowd is really getting into it as well. And Kirkwood's. Uh, Lackey says, you know who that sounds like? And so he sends him off to go do something. And he knows exactly what he's going to go do, apparently. But he sounds exactly like, we find out later, like Kirkwood would like to sound, I guess. Well, and has Kaylin, I think at this point, she's expressed, you know, concern that this is the very last song that she and her brother wrote that is not currently already under contract with anybody. So it's the only thing that they have left. Yeah. Which I, I, I did get it from the point. I got the point they were trying to make with her saying that, but I was a little bit like, but your brother can still write songs, right? <laughs> like, I know, and like you I'm not saying it's guitar. easy, but you could go write another song. Yeah. Like, I mean, he's not dead. Right. <laughs> His brain is okay. You're going to have to play the guitar, which we know you can do. Uh, yeah. But I mean, it is scary. Like, I guess knowing that you can make money is different than knowing that you have something that is worth something. You know, right. like potential. So I can totally see, like, she's putting, and she says, it, she's like, I'm putting all my trust in you. Like, please don't lose this for me right. and Elliot you know promises no you know you can trust me I'm not gonna we're, we're the good guys I'm not gonna get rid of this uh and then they have a little moment in the green room when they're when he's done so they're high off the adrenaline of this going really well and uh he takes out his earbud and then it pans away see he doesn't want to hear that let them hear him Oh, yeah. No, Elliot is very discreet, I think. <laughs> also, like, Hardison would totally, like, be giving, like, <laughs> criticism. Like, Well, yes. Like, it was also funny because I was like, I don't know what makes you think, A, that it stops working for them to hear just because you stuck it, like, over there. <laughs> um, because I'm pretty sure Hardison's thing works even when it's sitting over there on that shelf. 
that's true but then he can't he can't hear no he can't hear yeah. yes no and i understood that that was the actual point was that he couldn't hear which meant when the goons showed up for nate and nate was like hey oh i guess i'll go with you guys <laughs> because he thought for yeah. sure elliot was gonna come fix this for him right away yeah unfortunately uh, no and hardest the the sound guy comes back and he's like these tickets are for tomorrow and i guess you know that gets them out of the sound booth kirkwood tells sophie hey work with me we can get even more money out of this guy uh which is cool because like her character kind of goes back and forth through being like i'm like the smartest person in this room to yeah sure i'll hand over all the control of this to you sure you're a nice man here you go well, and he totally does sell it. Like he somehow he and Nate have established that they grew up in the same place. <laughs> or he says, like, we're we're both local boys and you know, we were in 4-H together, which I was <laughs> like, wow, you so weren't, but okay. <laughs> I mean, kudos to you for building a believable bond there. Um it's it's not quite we dug coal together. <laughs> justified style but (laughs) sure sure the common bonds right and so yeah so he does you know manage to convince her although obviously she is in on this entire thing that that he is the right person to make the opening bid to nate when of course he's just gonna snake it for himself Mm -hmm. um so Nate's off alone in a room with two goons. And I love that he kind of like goads them on. He's like, y'all work out together. <laughs> and Elliot has not taken very long with Kaylin because he puts his earbud back in and he hears that Nate's, you know, in a, in a room with two goons. And he opens his door and there's somebody there. And so he puts them in a headlock immediately, but it's not an assassin. It's a fan. <laughs> He's like, who do you work for? And she's like, Forever 21. <laughs> I just wanted to say that she's just, just this little blonde girl. <laughs> so good. Uh, so <laughs> as soon as Kirkwood makes it back to this back room where Nate's being kept, he opens the door and the goons are laid out on the floor and Nate is just sitting in a chair, this little cowboy hat. And we get no explanation to how he took them out. And he's like not even breaking a sweat. And uh, Kirkwood gives him uh, an envelope full of money for the for the song. Which then they give to Kaylin, which is she's not bad. Could, could have pay for some hospital bills and stuff. Oh, okay. They want to bring. Uh, oh, because the the rapper's coming because he wants to sample the song on his track. So they've got to have Elliot come into this the um the studio to record the version that he's going to <laughs> that he's going to sample. So Hardison gets to play a rapper, and Parker needs to go into the studio with him so that she can break into the safe. And she goes in dressed as a an unnamed Icelandic pop star uh, who is very strange, who is not Bjork. Definitely not. not Bjork, even though she is wearing a duck. Yes. Very <laughs> reminiscent of a certain swan. Uh, 
uh, which is which is just really good. Oh, and we haven't mentioned that uh, the character that Elliot is playing is what's his name? His name is Kenneth Crane, which is very close to Christian Kane. And all of the fans that he's going to acquire are called, they call themselves Craniacs, which is close to what Christian Kane's fans are. Kaniacs. Ah. So this poor, this poor assistant at the studio has to take care of these superstars and they want nothing to do with her. And her accent is great. I love her. Her name is, her real name is Oriana Milne. Uh, which is a beautiful name, Oriana. And Elliot is late getting to the studio because he is being followed and he can't fight these people because it's a flock of young women <laughs> just chasing him. <laughs> a la Beatles fans. <laughs> After one song in one bar on one night, he's got to Well, you know, I mean, this is the other reason that it makes more sense that it's Memphis. <laughs> Yeah, like they just have a limited number of, you know, <laughs> hot country music stars to be following around. That's true. That's true. And Elliot is like, I can't have my face on the internet. I'm, I'm wanted in several countries. And and Hardison's like, contrary to what y'all believe, I do not control everything that's on the internet. But fine, the fan side is down. You're welcome. From his phone, just one, just one little click. Uh, Sophie and Nate are having breakfast in the hotel, which for Nate is more ribs, which is really grossing Sophie out. Sophie is such a snob about food. Like the last time they went somewhere rural, she was like, everything's beige and fried and I hate it. And I enjoyed uh, that consistent behavior. It is. Yeah. <laughs> It's just, that's just very in character with her. Uh, but then she sees Kirkwood coming down the stairs of the hotel. And so to keep their cover, she slaps Nate. <laughs> and he's like, what? And he keeps eating <laughs> the ribs, even though she's keep eating. Well, and then he immediately goes, oh, did Kirkwood just walk in without even looking back? It's really yeah. great. <laughs> no, he knows. And so he says, you know, yeah, she's like, I'm going to, keep staring at you just another beat to really sell this and then i'm gonna go over there and she's like oh it's the other man in memphis i want to slap for screwing me over and he's kind of a dick to her um meanwhile parker's got this poor assistant like just running all around the studio with her so she can figure out where she needs to be to get into the safe <laughs> because she's looking for a meditation room <laughs> it's so good <laughs> I want. I know. I mean, I felt a little bit bad for the assistant, but I found every moment of it hilarious. Her voice. Yeah, her ridiculous high pitched voice to the nope, this room is too cluttered. Nope, this room does not have enough clutter. Now I need water. (laughs) This is not from a glacier. (laughs) Right. It's not from an iceberg. And the woman's like, I don't think we have that here. And the way she like gargles with it, it's, it's, <laughs> right. And then she's not like, fine, just get me a champagne then. <laughs> it did make me want to go paint my fingernails or yellow though. Cause she has cute little yellow nails. Uh, and she's got those like crazy shoes and the, 
and then she like coughs weird <laughs> so that she can lift the the key the card the key card it's great and she's just got the exaggerated eyelashes on one cheek if I win as this character for Halloween, do you think anyone would get it? I mean, I would get it. I don't know how many other people. Like, it would many- be an interesting, yeah, it would be an interesting test. I'm doing it. Okay. I'm going to do it. I'm going to make that costume. I'm going to make the duck costume. I'm going to make I the mean, duck costume. I mean, probably what would happen is more people would think you're Bjork, but, you know. Yeah. But I'd be like, no, no, no. And I'll, <laughs> right, then you can be like, eh. <laughs> 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 right? That won't be. I need someone. All. I need someone to play the Hardison to my Parker, though. There we go. Yeah, that's what you really need is you need to be accompanied by a gentleman in a faux fur, white giant faux fur coat. Um, that's all I ever wanted. I mean, really, <laughs> his goals. If yes. you look like Aldous Hodge, that's all I ever wanted. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, and at one point Parker says to Nate, I don't think I'm being weird enough. And he says, Oh, I'm I'm sure that's not true. That's impossible. <laughs> uh so Elliot is recording and Hardison has taken off the giant white coat to just have like the wife beater and the chains and the biceps out. And is just critiquing Elliot's performance, saying it's a little pitchy. It's just a little pitchy. Just It's just pitchy. Do it again. It's pitchy. Which is apparently a callback to American Idol, because that's what Randy Jackson would say. And once Parker gets into the safe room, she realizes she can hear the recording studio, even though it's supposed to be soundproofed. And that proves to her that, like, the flooring underneath her is not as solid as it should be. And she opens it up and there's a little safe in there. And that's where all the master tapes are kept. And apparently they got a little flack for the fact that they were still actual cassettes. But that's Yeah, well, and they weren't even cassettes. They were, like, answering machine cassettes. Yeah. (laughs) And they were, like, the tiny little ones. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, I'm sure that's not what they're putting like 17 carefully mastered tracks onto, but okay. (laughs) Yeah. And they're also like not organized. They were just like seven just flung into this little tiny safe. It wasn't a big safe. It wasn't a lot of tapes. It's just very hasty looking. Um, So I mean, maybe that's where they only put the like super secret tapes and like the people they were only partially ripping off were in the good safe. I don't know. Maybe. So they, they get the master recording of this song by Elliot and then they decide, Oh, we're done with him. We can just take him out. And so the, the thug is like super excited about this. He's like, yeah, I get to kill someone. And Parker goes in and brings the tapes to Hardison and they just start listening to them right there in the studio, which I'm like, no, take this home. But maybe they don't have the. the they may not have tiny little, tapes. tiny, right. Tiny little cassette tape players at home because yeah. nobody had those anymore. 
Yeah. <laughs> so they're in the, you know, the sound booth and Elliot's in the soundproofed studio room, recording room, and they've got their backs to him. So it's that classic comedy of the fighting in the background with the people in the foreground, not knowing anything about it. And they said in the commentary, like, this is the best way to do exposition is just like, have something crazy happening in the background. And then you can straight up explain what's going on without it being boring. I'm like, that's very true. And we, and and they had established that Elliot before recording had taken his ear thing out so that he wouldn't be confused, which is of course why none of them hear that he's, the yeah. sounds of him being pummeled. <laughs> yeah. Every time they kind of glance back and they're like, where's, where's Elliot? <laughs> he's just gone out of frame to fight the guy. And he's like trying to bang on the glass. They can hear him. And he, he like uses a bunch of the instruments in the room. to like, he like hits him with a microphone. He, but he very the- carefully moves the guitar out of range. So the guitar is okay. The guitar, yeah, he he did not care about the mic stand or the drumsticks. He no. was willing to. I use mean, drumsticks all are pretty cheap as yeah, far as fine. things go. So among all of the tapes of the that they find in the safe is one with the artist scratched out, and it turns out it's the uh, the single that made Mitchell Kirkwood his his fortune, but it's not him singing on the track, and then with it with it uh, kind of auto-tuned, it's still not, doesn't sound like Mitchell. And they find out that it's actually the original artist of the song who Kirkwood stole the song from. And then that guy ended up dead when he tried to take him to court. So (laughs) Elliot finally has beaten this guy up and like tells them we need to get out of here. So they leave and they have the bag of all the tapes, but then they realize that they've left Kaylin's tape in the tape record the tape player which is not good they grabbed all the ones that they'd found including the one of the the murdered guy but the one that they were using is still there which is not good so elliot is you know very upset so he goes straight to Kaylin's house and she's even more upset because she's just gotten a call that kirkwood has kicked her out of her spot at the festival which is like the last thing that she had. And he's going to be singing her song. And she's, yeah, she's real upset at him because she put all of her trust in him. This is our last thing that we had. And now we're screwed. Elliot is not happy. Not happy. And so they're, they're going to go to the, the saloon or the bar. No, wait. So is the, festival happening at Kirkwood's bar? I had sort of assumed that the festival that like a lot of these you know music festivals when they come to town that the festival was happening at multiple locations throughout town because it did not look to me like the same location although I mean knowing how TV works they probably just like moved a balcony and made it look different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes total sense. I've been to music festivals like that where it's like, you know, these two are playing at this bar on this day and they're playing at this venue at this day. Okay. Like ACL or something. <laughs> so they, 
are able as Elliot and Kaylin are on their way, they're trying to beat Kirkwood to the, the bar. So they, they harness the power of the craniacs to <laughs> surround his, his SUV uh, so that he can't move forward. So he, they can kind of stall Kirkwood from getting there. And which is pretty great. I think that's some good funneling of energy. Because they literally, the guy's like, I can't move. I will run over a young woman. And Elliot not only, like, gets gets on with the pretty girl, gets to show off his singing chops, he also gets to race a motorcycle. He does. Which is pretty exciting. But also, I think that's Kaylin's motorcycle. So why isn't she driving it? I mean, it might be her brother's. Because it was in front of their house in the very first scene. So this wasn't, like, Elliot's motorcycle that he showed up in when he came over to her house. It did not surprise me that Elliot would decide he was the one who needed to drive the motorcycle. (laughs) I don't like it. Let Kaylin drive the motorcycle. I mean, I agree. If it was Kaylin's motorcycle, Kaylin should get the chance to drive it. But, Mm -hmm. yeah, it it seemed natural to me that (laughs) Elliot would decide that. Yeah. He's the knight. He's got to get on the white horse. And they still need a few more minutes because they are still a little behind. So to stall even further, because Kirkwood has made it to the venue and he's handed the tape over to the DJ. And I guess has already made, you know, arrangements that this should be played for him to lip sync along to. (laughs) Parker's like, I got this. And she runs up on stage and starts making strange noises. Yes, I believe the closed caption described them as, you know, vocalization noises. <laughs> but yeah, and she's still in the duck outfit. which And people are just cracking up. There is one lady who's like hands on her chin. She's like, what the hell is happening right now? This is some crazy New York shit right here. Uh, but most people are confused and laughing. And she's just like, ah, ah, ah. it is vocalization. And then they drive the motorcycle right up into the hallway of, of this bar. And Kaylin runs off and Elliot confronts Kirkwood before he can go onto stage in a room full of microphones. Because that's where you confront somebody dramatically. And he's like, well, you thought I was going to be dead just like the other guy you killed and Kirkwood push. It's, it's so dramatic. He like pushes the microphone away and then punches Elliot in the stomach and is like, do you think I was going to admit to murder in a room full of microphones? If I was that dumb, I wouldn't have gotten away with it this long. And you're like, Oh no, he's never going to get caught. This is horrible. They've failed. And (laughs) Parker is still wailing on the stage so security takes her off and they bring on Kirkwood in his duster his he has a kind of like sparkly shirt on as well underneath his Johnny Cash duster and he starts to sing the song and as he's singing the sound turns off and Kaylin is up on the balcony singing it herself which somehow proves to everybody that this is actually her song. Yeah. <laughs> I don't that was one of those things that you're like, all right, sure. 
<laughs> Obviously, he's bad. And we do figure out he's bad in just a few seconds later when we hear the recording of him confessing to murder in a room full of microphones. Because there's even a microphone in Elliot's ear, which he was whispering into. So the, you know, he he starts to take off. He's like, ah, ha, ha, isn't she great? It was a joke. Okay, bye. And Elliot stops him and explains how you really keep a man down if you want to punch him in the stomach. You, you had to aim for the solar plexus is the thing. So he punches him, obviously, and he stays down. And the cops come for him. The studio executives all want to talk to Kaylin. And uh, she's pretty proud of herself, which is good. Yeah. Um, also, oh, I need to go back really quick. The look on Sophie's face when Parker goes up on stage is just pure happiness. It yeah. is so sweet. She's and in the commentary, they said, like, this is one of the reasons why Sophie came back. It's like she just loves these people. And you can, like, see it in that look. I'm just like, she's just a proud mama, proud mama duck, proud of her little weird duckling. Well, and this was a big deal for Parker Parker to feel like she could go up there and contribute in character because characters mm. were not her strength. So. Yeah. That's very true. Just to, like, ad-lib and be able to improv like that is pretty impressive. And then, and, like, Parker doesn't have self-consciousness, so she wouldn't be embarrassed, but to be able to think on her toes like that. Uh. So Kaylin does kind of peel herself away from the studio executives who are all trying to talk to her. And she like tells Elliot, like, what, what's going to happen with us? Like, do you want to come to Nashville with me? We could be the next Johnny in June. And, you know, we could see what could happen. Cause you're, you know, you're a country star. Like it's in your blood. Like you can do this. And he says, you know, I've, I've gone down this road too far. Like that's, that is a path I could have taken, but it's, it's not in this life for me. You're like, oh, no, but that's right. You can't leave. I'm sorry. Right. Like, A, you can't leave. And then B, as he said before, like, he can't be all over the internet because there are death warrants out for him. So becoming yeah. a pop star or a country star is not, it's not a safe life choice for him. No, no. Uh, and then I love, they kind of, they mentioned in this in the commentary too, that because there are five of them, you can't have them all standing in a line because like, where is there enough room for that? And you'd have to have the camera really far back. So they're, they're standing three and two and it's like the normal, nobody's Elliot's dressed the most normal, but you've got Elliot, Sophie and Nate, like in their like dark clothes in the foreground and then <laughs> Parker and Hardison and like the white and yellow in the background, just visually, it's really nice. And uh, a, a young girl walks up to Elliot and like starts to ask him a question. He's like, okay, this is the last one. Here's my signature. And she's like, oh, I just wanted to know what time it was. <laughs> Cause he's, he accepted that he had fans and then poop. It's fickle. Stardom is fickle. Especially once you take down your fan page. I mean, exactly. come on. I was going to know who you are. And so he just tells her it's too late for her to be up. And she's, this is like a 13 year old girl and he's just a dick <laughs> to her. Uh, and then they walk off and it's great. 
Well, so I have a sort of weird heist light. Um, and it is, again, yarn focused. Yes. <laughs> yes. I love your yarn focused ones. I like read that article on that lady who faked her death. And I was like, Shh, what the fuck? <laughs> um, so there are around the country these um, yarn festivals. Um, and some of them are like offshoots of sheep and wool festivals that, you know, used to be um, before knitting was such a huge thing, more focused on, you know, buying and selling of sheep and sheep dogs. And, but now have this whole yarn selling aspect and some of them have sprung up just for the yarn selling part of it. But, um, Oh shoot. Let's see if I can remember which one it is, but there was a yarn festival. Um, and so, you know, sort of this woman went to, um, she went to this, like, it seems like it was a half reseller, half thrift, half consignment store, like one of those, you know, where some of the things have been donated and some of them mm -hmm. have been bought, whatever. And she saw a lot of really amazing looking yarn. Um, and it wasn't completely unusual for them to have yarn, but usually not in this kind of quantity. And it all seemed to be from the same um, dyer. And so she, and she Googled it and like the dyer usually charged, you know, like 30 bucks per skein of yarn. So this was like tens of thousands of dollars of yarn. And so she went and asked the owner, like, when did this come in? And he said, Oh, well, super weird, but like, these folks showed up with a trailer today and were like, Hey, could we donate this yarn? And they didn't even like want a yarn, a donation receipt. And so I was like, okay, cool. And he had just put it out. Um, he doesn't know how valuable yarn is or. Well, and you know, and that's often the case with large stores like that. Like tons yeah. of people bring you stuff and you cannot possibly know what everything is worth. And so she um, did some, did some sleuthing and um, basically found a post from the dyer that said they were on the way to this festival and somebody had stolen the trailer that they had parked outside their hotel full of their yarn. <laughs> um, and so oh she was like, God. yeah, I think that's where this yarn came from. Um, and so she was able to contact the yarn dyer um, and let them know. And it turned out they, cause they thought they had lost everything. Um, yeah. So had, you know, like been on their way back home to try and figure out what they were going to do. Cause how are they going to go to this festival with no yarn? And she was like, yeah. so I found some of your yarn and it wasn't, um, it wasn't everything uh, that was stolen from them, but it was like a good amount of it. And it was enough that they were able to, go pick it up and go to the festival. Um, make a profit at least. Like, and, oh, and make some money. And then it, it also became one of those things where once people at the festival found out what happened, a lot of the other groups like donated gift baskets for them to raffle off and, you mm -hmm. know, and stuff. So, so it ended up being um, not a totally happy ending. Cause I, I, I don't know. I sort of figure at this point, if nobody else has come up with the rest of the yarn, probably someone trashed it. Yeah. <laughs>
Um, oh, but then man. they maybe decided that trashing all of it would be too suspicious. So they trashed some of it and donated some of it to like split it up. Um, although I sort of feel like, I don't know, if you steal a trailer full of yarn and you're like, oh, it's just yarn. Like, can you not just like dump the trailer somebody where and let somebody find it? Like, I gotta yeah. be a jerk about it. <laughs> Which I guess is kind of what they felt. They didn't ask for payment. They were like, we just donated it. It's fine. Yeah. I mean, I guess they were trying to sort of maybe do something good but um but yeah so it ended sort of happily this yeah 65 what was it sixty five thousand dollars worth of yarn are <laughs> you kidding well like, i mean i guess like having an entire trailer full of yarn is a lot of yarn sixty five thousand dollars yeah oh that's wow. there because it says it was like 35 bucks a skein and how many was it oh i think that includes the cost of the trailer maybe but still oh yeah trailer can be <laughs> expensive but still like if that's your livelihood that's yeah and i think that would just be scary too because some of these dyers you know like you are just packing up your entire stock for this festival mm -hmm. because why not have it all everything available to you but then of course if literally all of it gets stolen you're like oh wow that was um that was two years worth of work <laughs> yeah my dad like when he has to um has to travel and he has like he'll have like a trailer of stuff including stuff that he's like created for his job he's the company's like, oh, well, you can't be on the road for more than this many hours. Like, it's unsafe. Like, it's part of our guidelines. So, like, you have to stop and stay in a hotel. But he's like, I don't want to stop and stay in a hotel because I don't want to leave my trailer unaccompanied in this parking lot. Because stuff like that happens. Like, yeah, it's vulnerable. And, you know, he's had stuff walk away too many times. So he's like, yeah, I just drove the whole night. I'm like, dad, you can't drive 12 hours in one go by yourself. That's ah, fine. I did it. It's okay. So yeah. Um, okay. So I have a quick little one that is country adjacent that I just found really quick. So this is an article from, uh, from June. Oh man, this is really, this is from June 4th. So it says a Texas country music legend Yay, Texas, is now par also part of a campaign to prevent car theft. Musician Gary P. Nunn has joined forces with Dallas and other police departments across Texas for an effort called If You Like It, Lock It. This, this has to go with our the stolen trailer. Um, in Texas, if you like it, and I love my truck, lock it, Nunn says in a promotional video. Car and truck thefts are on the rise. They're up 18% in Dallas and may top 10,000 this year. Perhaps surprisingly, 40% of auto thefts involve unlocked cars and trucks. Right now in the city of Dallas, the number one stolen vehicle is the 2018 GMC newer model pickup. I just love that this, this, this country star, you should see him. He has like round blue glasses and like a kerchief. And he's an older man, but just really cool. Texas country music legend trying to stop car thefts. So yeah. All right. So those are our high slides. That was good. Um, any last thoughts about the episode? No, I think that's it. All right. Okay. So let's tell people where they can find us on the internet. You go I am often on Twitter <laughs> um, at Tara T-L-K. All 
Right, and I'm also often on Twitter at librarianstee. And you won't see us again, but you'll hear us again in two weeks to talk about the gone fishing job, which is a really good one. I'm very excited about it. I love this episode. Uh, it's a very Elliot and Hardison heavy episode. It is. I really like that. Okay. Well, thank you for being on. Oh, thank, you. thank you for listening, everybody. Bye.